While the Pittsburgh Steelers' moves in free agency are intriguing, we still got to keep track of what they're doing at Pro Days. To do that, we'll talk with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com about that and how their draft plans may have changed. Right here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it on, on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And as always, we are well, we are happy to bring in our man, Alan Saunders. He comes from SteelersNow.com. We've had him on several times now. Uh, lots of things happening. We'll get to Alan's thoughts about some of these free agent moves that they've made over the past week in a bit. But, Alan, you guys wrote about this on your website. It was, it was well reported. Dale Lally talked about this, too. The Steelers were at Iowa's Pro Day on uh, on Monday. It was pretty clear. You know, they're, they're there. There's really in- interesting prospects like Lucas Van Ness, the defensive lineman slash edge rusher slash wherever you want to line him up on the defensive front. There's Jack Campbell, who a lot of people may be calling the best linebacker of this group and could be an interesting fit with the, with the linebackers the Steelers have signed. And it goes along with – and the Steelers brass was there. It wasn't just, you know – Pat Meyer being there like he was at Northwestern, but the Steelers brass so far has been at Georgia, Clemson, and Michigan. I know it's still very early in the pro day process, and you know there's, there's weeks for this to play out, but from what you've seen of, of where they're targeting, has any of what they've done kind of tipped off anything to you about something that should pique Steelers fans' interest about their plans in the draft process? I think Iowa says something, right? I mean, look, we don't really know what to make of the Omar Khan draft world because this is the first right. one. So you know, all we can kind of do is say, hey, Omar learned from Kevin Colbert. They worked together for a long time. He's probably not going to be all that much different, right? Well, the Steelers for many years under Kevin Colbert did not draft a player in the first round that they did not scout in person with Colbert or head coach Mike Tomlin being there at either their pro day or you know, some sort of in-person scouting opportunity like that. And so to be at Iowa I think to me says a lot about Luke's fitness. Um, I love the player. I think he's a very interesting fit for the Steelers. Um, not a player that I think a lot of people are talking about. One that's been a little bit under the radar. And so to me, uh, that puts him firmly uh, on their board for number 17. Jack Campbell is a player that I think fits the Steelers, but it's probably more like a second round pick. Now that like coach GM got to be there thing has not necessarily really applied to the second round the way it has applied to that first round pick. But man, when, when that pick is 32, like I, I got to think it, it's got to come close, right? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. We don't know. Nobody really knows, but it sure seems like right. if I was a betting man and I am, but you can't bet on this. Uh, I would bet that Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan will have been to the pro day or had at least some in-person scouting of both of those first two players they took. And the fact that they went to see Van Ness and Campbell, uh, puts them puts them in line for those picks. That's that's certainly possible. I think it's certainly possible. And those are two guys, like you said, they fit interesting needs for the Steelers. Van Ness, a guy who could play on the edge a little bit, but he also played three technique. 
I, I think he everyone loved the way that he measured. Also, people, people, everyone loved the way Jack Campbell tested at the com, at the combine. So there's a lot of excitement there. But as we also said, they've been to Michigan, Clemson, Georgia, and those are kind of your staples, like especially Georgia. You're going to go to Georgia and Clemson every year. They they are they're cranking out players. Michigan, you got um, Mazai Smith, you got Schoonmacher, you got interesting people there. Um, I, I'm always intrigued to look at the, the, the top brass visits, like you said, and how that's kind of dictated or at least hinted where the Steelers would be looking in the first round over the past several years under Kevin Colbert. Will that do the same with Omar Khan? We don't know, but I do think that there's an interesting uh, investment here that, that all of these schools have where the Steelers could take someone in the first round for most of them. I don't think Michigan has that, but Brian Brzee is a guy for Clemson that I think could be looked at in the first round. Uh, of course, Broderick Jones is a guy that if he could slip his way down to 17, maybe he would be a guy. But I also think a guy who could work his, his way into the conversation uh, of uh, being that 32nd overall pick is Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia. The way that he's built, the way that he plays, uh, could that, that could be a very interesting pick. Um, and, and I think it's this is again, Keely, I think this is a, Nolan Smith. Like, there's a bunch of guys. Nolan there. Smith, you're right. They're, they have a ton of guys. And there's there's a lot of guys there. But again, I think this is kind of you know it's not good that the Steelers have so many needs, but it may work in their favor that it's not going to be easily predictable who they're going for and teams. Well, you know, won't have it just slated. Oh, yeah, they're going there. If we, if we want to get that guy, we got to jump ahead of them. It might not be so obvious in this process. Yeah, I don't really think, I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job of taking care of their pressing needs through free agency where they, you know, like, I don't think they, there's a position that they have to draft um, in the first round or have to draft in the first two rounds. I mean, there's a lot of things they could want. Um, There's certainly no lack of things that they could want, but I don't think there's anything that they absolutely have to have. Um, And so I think that puts them in pretty good shape. And we're going to see where they go. You know, Ohio State's Wednesday, Penn State's Friday. I expect they'll be at both of those. If they aren't, maybe that'll tell us something. I don't think they were at Penn State last year. That's not one they sort of go to all the time. So Joey Porter Jr., of course, becomes part of that conversation. Uh, Lots of guys at Ohio State, too. So, I mean, we'll we'll keep it going. But, um, you know, I I think they're – pretty open about this pick i mean look there's no common thread between okay there's a linebacker and a defensive lineman at iowa and by the way lucas van ness is one of my favorite players in this draft i love mm-hmm. him like he's like 85 percent jj watt like you can do a hundred different things with him he's not quite that good but he's just the same sort of extremely versatile big athlete that does everything really well i i i some team is going to be extremely happy with him, whether it's the Steelers or not. But, like, okay, so there's a defensive tackle and a linebacker there. Well, Georgia doesn't have, I mean, either of those two outside of Jalen right. Carter probably not going to be there, right? Now, Michigan has a defensive tackle but not a linebacker. Like, they have a tight end. Georgia has a tight end. Uh, I mean, like, there's you're, you're not – it's not like last year, right, where I was like, okay, where did the GM and the coach go? Oh, here's where all the top quarterbacks are. Bing. Like <laughs> – that's not that's not it. Like there, there's no clear and obvious pattern here. It seems like they're giving themselves options and leaving themselves open to a number of different scenarios playing out in front of them. It certainly seems that way. I want to talk about with you in a minute here about how those options could play out now, especially 
now that we've seen at least the first round of free agency kind of go through in the first week uh, with all the moves they've made. We've talked about that on the show. I want to get your thoughts on that process as well and how that's changed everything. We'll do all that in a minute here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. So don't go anywhere. But first, before we do any of that, we'd love to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at FanDuel. And of course, FanDuel is the number one sportsbook in America that you need to get into right away. FanDuel, of course, the NBA season is there, but so is March Madness. It's the perfect time to download the, the FanDuel the FanDuel Sportsbook Act, America's number one sportsbook. And if you do right now, if you're a new customer, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if you don't win on your first bet. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from money lines to point scores to how many three-pointers get trains. And FanDuel lets you make player bets player prop bets so that you can you can have so many different options when you're putting money down and having fun playing the game also FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger pat with same game parlay so don't miss out on your chance for the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined today by Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Alan, the Steelers were pretty active in free agency. They weren't just sitting back, letting guys follow. They went and went and got guys. Uh, of course, they re-signed DeMonte KZ and Larry Joby. They went and added Patrick Peterson. That was a huge name that you know, we talked about last week and how, you know, again, if that was six years ago, Steelers fans would have had a heart attack. Um, you know, they were able to get... Uh, Cole Holcomb, they went They went and added a Landon Roberts, but then they get, they, they had Nate Herbig, and then they get uh, Isaac Samalo, the starting guard for the Eagles, not a backup guard who went to the Jets, uh, and he projects to be a guy that starts there. And now you're in a situation where you have Samalo projected, you project him as a starter immediately for what he did in Philly. You have James Daniels, you have Mason Cole at center, you have Kevin Dotson, you have Nate Herbig, you still have Kendrick Green on the roster. How does this interior part of the line shake out for you as you look at how this is playing out right now? That's a really good question. I'm not sure we have the answer to it right now. I, I don't think there's an obvious answer to the, the rationale bet- behind these moves right now. I think there's a number of options, right? I mean, I think for one personally, like Kevin Dotson can't feel very good about this, right? Like, I, I mean, I think he's in trouble. Yeah. I, I just, he has the least versatility. Of all of the players that we've mentioned, he basically only plays guard. All the rest of them can move around at least a little bit. And he, I think, was pretty, at least to me, pretty clearly, the worst of the Steelers' three interior offensive linemen last year. I wholeheartedly agree. The one thing you could say is that he was pretty good in pass protection most of the time, but he also had two giant glaring gaffes that ended up with Kenny Pickett being concussed. So there's nothing to really stand on. Uh, to put your foot in the ground and say, I got to have him. Um, so, yeah, I think he's probably losing his starting job. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the only one. Like, I, you know, I thought Mason Cole was pretty good, and I would like to see what he's capable of if he plays healthy. He spent most of the season limping around the locker room in a walking boot. Um, I don't even know how, like, what are the medical situation that yeah. you can play – then have to be in a boot, then take it off and play again, then put it. I mean, the guy was going through some stuff. I don't know exactly what, but 
it was clear that we, he wasn't 100. percent So I mean, I'm a little bit intrigued to see what he could do. I thought James Daniels was their most consistent offensive lineman, especially in the second half. But I, you know, he wasn't he wasn't anywhere near as good as Sayamalu. Like he he's he's just okay. So I don't know. I'm not quite sure what they have in mind for the other those other two moves. Maybe there's a trade coming. Uh, so, you know, certainly guys like Cole and Daniels have a little bit elevated cap hits compared to where they were last year. So, you know, maybe a trade could free up a little bit more room. They feel like they've got an upgrade. I don't know. Uh, I don't really think we have good answers to that log jam right now, other than they have options and that's always good. But uh, I, I would be kind of surprised. I would not be surprised if it's just Simalo, Cole, Daniels, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, Herbig's contract is not one that's an albatross if he's a backup, but you know, we'll see. Like it, and Kendrick Green, you mentioned him. Like I got to think that this is the end of the line for him. And J.C. Hassenauer, who hit free agency, they didn't tend him a contract. Have to think that he's not going to be back now, also, just because of the sheer number of, of bodies they have there. Right now, here's my next thing: is we're talking about that log jam in the middle. A lot of people are wondering. Guys, what about offensive tackle? That's the position that people were most concerned about. And uh, they haven't made a move there in free agency. But, Alan, one, they can always make a move in free agency. There's there's still plenty of time and guys out there. But does this signify to you that the plan might be to just draft an offensive tackle very high in this draft class? Not that that, not that, that should be a secret because we've been talking about that potential for a while. But we've also talked about how they, 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 there's, a, there's a good chance they'll probably miss out on the top three guys that are, you know, probably certifiable 17th overall type pick guys. And that maybe they'd have to wait into the second round. But does this guarantee to you that they're going to probably certify, they're, they're probably going to co- concentrate their efforts to make sure one of those first three picks is an offensive tackle? I don't really think it changes anything for me about tackle. Like I think they, I, I've thought they want, would want one. I, I think they still will want one. Um, I think it, it changes a couple things for me. One, you know, one of the things I talked about a lot is if you get a tackle that could move Dane more to left guard, that could make the team better at two positions. Maybe I think that that's off the table now, right? Like that's not something they're going to consider anymore. Uh, they certainly don't need another guard. The other thing I think is. Uh, you know, guys like John Michael Schmitz, Osiris Torrance, those top tier interior yeah. linemen, like there's just no room for them now. Like, I think that's the real, that's the biggest thing that I see uh, out of this is just, okay, like guard and center kind of have to be off the board almost, especially guard. You know, maybe you could still take a center, but like Osiris Torrance was a guy that I thought was a legitimate option for them um in a trade back from 17 or if he falls to 32 i think he kind of comes off the board now just with the accumulation of of bodies at guard uh, yeah. maybe we could find room for a guy like schmitz or, or or somebody else at center later on but yeah i think if they drafted i think that's if they draft a ta- uh, an offensive lineman now it's overwhelmingly likely to ta- to be a tackle whereas before i felt like it was a little bit more open they could have kind of gone a number of different directions what is the logic you think behind making so many moves to fortify the interior with veterans and not necessarily doing that for offensive tackle? Is it price range because offensive tackle generally costs a lot more, or is it another reason that we're miss- that we're missing out on here? It's a combination. It's price range and the fact that they still have the guys that they're trying to replace, right? Mm-hmm. So when you lose a player, okay, like when the Steelers uh, that they lost Cam Sutton, right? He was gone. Okay, well it doesn't take much to be an upgrade over gone right yeah. okay okay just go get a guy doesn't really matter like if he's great <laughs> or just above average or good or so look look you need one go get one when you have the guys you have 
Okay. When you have Kevin Dotson on the roster, then it takes a really good player to be a clear upgrade on Kevin Dotson. It takes a guy like Isaac Samalo. Like that takes someone that good to be a clear upgrade. The difference is at guard, a clear upgrade costs what seven million dollars a year. At tackle, a clear upgrade costs twenty-four, right? Like so, I mean right. that's and when you still have all those guys, I think that's kind of how you have to operate, right? Like the Steelers could upgrade on, on their tackles in the draft. It was always very unlikely, and I was actually kind of surprised they had some reported interest in Orlando Brown. I could not see them picking up anything near that price tag. For him, I just don't think they have the ability to be flexible enough to make it fit under the cap, not that they wouldn't be willing to. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just not feasible for them to go get. Like, Isaac Somalo was the number one guard available in free agency. I don't right. really think it's close. I think he's a top 10 guard in the entire league, and he was healthy all last year after showing some injury issues the two before. Like, a tackle that you could say all about the, all those things about would be the most expensive player on the Steelers' offense by like five times over like so like, it's just not feasible to do that kind of upgrading at tackle through free agency they almost have to do it in the draft if they're going to do it no I, I feel you on that and another thing before before we just we, we move past this because i talked about this last week but i want to get your quick insight is it very po- is it possible just kind of likely that maybe the interested in orlando brown thing was not $20 million a year interested, more like, hey, Orlando, what's nope? And he hung up the phone, and that's what the agent ran with. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I, the, you know, I think there's probably some interest in the player. Like, let's clear. I mean, like, it, like, general, like, hey, what's up, man? What would it cost? And when he says, well, the Bengals are offering me $64 million over four years, so we we ain't got that kind of money. We, 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 we got McDonald's at home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think there's probably some curiosity at what the top of the market is, too. Like, they just want to know where where the guy like that is going to go. And so, yeah, you reach out, you have interest. And I don't doubt that there was interest. I just i am not sure if there was ever a thought that that was realistically about to happen. Probably not. Right. I hear you on that. But back to where, we, where, where we're going here with this. I do think that, that that offensive tackle, and again, it doesn't have to be 17th overall. There's guys that you and I have talked about, like Matthew Bergeron, who could very much fit the, the bill in this in the second round. And I think that that certainly could be part of the plans. But like you said, the Steelers have been addressing a lot of positions across the board. They've been doing, they've, they've been doing their due diligence to kind of fill in the holes. They've got a whole new linebacker room. Linebacker is very much a potential spot they could, they could, they could, they could, they could still consider as, as a draft spot there. But um, I it just if the way things have lined up make me really think that that offensive tackle is is on their minds, especially early. And I'd be very intrigued to see where Andy Weidel lines up a lot of this offensive tackle class on his big board. Yeah, I definitely think tackles on their mind, and um, I do think that they're probably not likely to get one of those top three guys at seventeen. They would probably have to trade up to do it, and I don't think any of the other guys are worth that pick. So you're probably looking at either a trade up, a trade down, or 32. Um, and there's look, there's good options there. I mean, you name Bergeron, I think he's one. Um, Dewan Jones from Ohio State, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. Like there's there's good players that are going to be available in that in that area that they could take that 
uh, maybe are not necessarily like walk-in day one starters, but really good players that can upgrade that line this year. You know, it would be expected right. to play this year. What you know may have to battle for a job, may need to to build up to it. But certain, you know, I think certainly uh, you're still expecting to get a right away contributor at that position, even if you take a guy at 32. And so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of good options there. It seems to be the position that I think fits their needs um, really well that I think just lines up. It's a pretty good draft with tackles. There's a number of them. It's not like defensive line where, like, yeah, they need one, but there's only a handful of guys. You know, we've mentioned on this podcast, I think, like, three of the six realistic options for the Steelers to potentially draft a defensive tackle. There are a number of guys on offensive Mm -hmm. line that I think could make an impact, and so it makes it a little bit easier to kind of feel like they'll they'll be sure to get one. Absolutely. I want to talk to Alan about some coaching moves the Steelers have also made uh, as far as guys down the assistant line. We'll go over those in just a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, so don't go anywhere um, as we break, get ready to break that down. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. And as y'all know, I was just in Greensboro, North Carolina, and Dayton, Ohio, covering March Madness, which was a blast. You want to get my coverage, go to post-gazette.com. But Built Bar has its own March Madness, and that's right. They have a Built Bar March Madness bracket where you're they're matching up flavor to flavor. What's the best Built Bar or Built Puff out there? And the votes are what make it count. Go to, to check that out. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I'm going to be voting for the double chocolate flavor because that's always been my favorite of, of the Built Bar. But if you have a favorite Built Bar or Built Puff, get your vote in now. And also, when you're voting for your favorite Built Bar or Built Puff, you'll be ended to, to win a drawing where lucky 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. you got to try Built. Built has the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing, you won't think that they're good for you because they're having a 100% real chocolate. They're only 130 calories, but they pack 17 grams of protein. What makes Built Bars and Puffs so good is that they have all that wrapped together, and they they pack so many different flavors that you can check out at the Built March Madness bracket by going to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite Built Bar or Built Puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick at Built March Madness. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Alan, Steelers did make a move Monday. It wasn't a uh, a, a roster move. It was a coaching staff move, and that was to promote Denzel Martin to outside linebackers coach, and then they hired in a place Jason Brooks as a defensive quality coach. Now, for those who don't know, uh, Denzel Martin's been with the Steelers for some years now. He's kind of just been a scouting assistant, and he's done some on-field work. He's been, been been here and there for the defense, but now he's uh, he's officially their outside linebackers coach. So he'll work with T.J. Watt, he'll work with Alex Highsmith and whoever else that they they bring in there. Brooks is a guy who's kind of bounced around a little bit. He used to be on the Ravens from 2009 to 2013. Um, he's uh, he, he bounced around. He's done some college work. But Alan, what what if anything did you read into these moves? You know, especially Martin as a guy who's been around the organization. 
I mean, I don't really think it's going to be that big of a change. Denzel Martin was already sort of the de facto outside linebackers coach. Teriel Savsky worked with that group last year a lot after they brought in Brian Flores. He had been the inside linebackers coach, and they didn't really have an outside linebackers coach. So, I, I mean, I just – I don't know. I, I don't think it's really going to make a huge difference as to the way things go for that defense. I expect – you know, Denzel Martin's been doing that job pretty much for a couple of years. Uh, Brooks is actually more interesting to me. Steelers haven't had defensive quality control coach since 2009. Um, you know, it's been a thing out there. That it's been talked about that the Steelers have this abnormally small coaching staff. And I think one of the reasons for that is that Mike Tomlin doesn't really love – like a lot of different voices and he wants his guys to be, you know, if you're the, if you're the coach of a position, why do we need two? Right? Like, I mean, I think that's kind of been the thing and the uh, quality control is something different. Now quality control control coaches end up with all sorts of jobs because they're kind of the bottom rung of the coaching totem pole. And so they, you know, it's like other duties as assigned when you sign up to be the intern and you end up being the mascot, right? Like, I mean, that, that's kind of what happens when you're right. when you're the quality control coach. But their number one job is self-scouting, right? Looking at your team like you're an opposing coach and trying to break it down and pick it apart. I think that's something that's very interesting to me that the Steelers have not had a lot of. They hired one on the offensive side, Matt Tom show, two or three years ago. And it's to me, that's something that, that – uh, a well-rounded coaching staff uh, has a big part of itself. And I think that's something that the Steelers are showing a little bit of awareness and just, Hey, like this is something that it deserves. And I, I don't want to say the Steelers weren't doing it just because they didn't have someone whose specific job it was, but I think that's an important enough step that it's good to have somebody in that position. And Hey, it doesn't hurt to have somebody doing yourself scouting. Who's going yeah. to approach it from the perspective of the Baltimore Ravens, right? Like what could, like he's, built for that job to know exactly what they're looking at to take advantage of the Steelers defense. Yeah. I, I, I think it, it's really interesting to see what they're, what, you know, the moves there and to see how that, how those roles can mesh together. Um, and, and one thing we've talked about a lot on this show over the past, well, all the time, really, especially when we're, when we hit the off season is the idea of, you know, younger coaches being involved with the Steelers and guys working their way up and coaching tree. And Denzel Martin's a guy, you know, he's moving up the list. Now he's a legitimate position coach for the Steelers. And now he's someone to keep your eye on and be like, Hey, there's a young guy who's been with the team and who's been growing naturally. And, you know, we'll see where he goes from there. Of course, you know, Terrell, Terrell Austin, you know, is, is going to be the guy for a, for a bit here. And there's other guys that are, that are definitely higher on, on the list there, but you know, it'll be interesting to see how he works with this, with the, with this outside linebacker. Because also, I feel like the outside linebacker is probably the one group that you have to do the least with other than just keep them consistent right now. You know, maybe if they draft a younger guy to come behind TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, but I feel like my, uh, my job would be, but my job as the outside linebacker coach was, would be like, Hey, Alex, TJ, do that thing, man. And I feel like it I would just be that. some credit for Alex Highsmith. I mean, this is a guy who came out of the group of five level, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, and still isn't really a prime athlete. Now, I, I always thought that Alex Highsmith was a a really well-developed pass rusher before he got to the Steelers. But true, I really think we saw some sub substantial growth from him, especially over this past season, that if you're looking for someone to give some credit to, like, I think Denzel Martin is the guy. Like, I think that's um, – well deserved and that obviously Alex is doing the work, but like, yeah. I, I think, you know, 
we we generally give coaches the credit when you see a guy in their True. position room make us take a step forward. And I, I think we really saw that from Alex Highsmith turning into not just a pretty good pass rusher, but one of the better overall stand up outside linebackers in the NFL. And I think uh, he deserves a lot of credit for that development. TJ, what? Look, I'm pretty sure I could be TJ's position. Yeah, that's coach. what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I would do that job real good. Like, <laughs> TJ, get him. Get him, TJ. Gatorade, <laughs> towel. What else, what, what else can I do? That's the extent of my ability to assist you. I can bring you water, Gatorade, a towel. I'll give you a little. I mean, listen, I'll rub your shoulder. Like, hey, I'll give you next time, buddy. Like, you know, like, I don't. What else is there? I don't know what. The man does not only is he incredibly talented football player, but he's so obsessed with his craft and the technique of his position that I really don't even know how you would approach attempting to coach that guy up about anything. You know what I would do as TJ's coach to be like, look, you got to be a little more personable in the interviews. Okay. There you go. Work for us, Alan. We'll get get us some media stuff. Can we see a smile like twice a year? Like, can we get that out of you? Could you like just maybe start him off with a joke or so? You know, like maybe that's how we could coach up TJ Watt because it ain't happening on the field. No, and, but even Alex Highsmith. I mean, you and I have been there at Steelers practice where when the first team defense comes off, they just go off and they start like karate chopping each other and practicing defensive moves and stuff. That, that's who they are, man. They both together are workhorses that develop and grow, and that's why that position is really strong. So, and this is not to say that Denzel Martin is just going to be a stand-in figure and he's not going to do anything, but I think he's going to have a really good opportunity to work with these guys and help, and maybe help them develop their chemistry, but also. You know, we talked about, and I think this is where it'd be very interesting, the depth pieces behind them. Quincy Roche was brought back, and what could they do with, Jam- you know, Jamar James Jones? And and, th- and those guys, maybe they draft an extra guy at edge that'll be in there. And not only how, how do those young guys develop, but how, does, how do the Steelers use them as a rotation? Because we know Andy Weidel with the Eagles love to keep his rotations, and we know the Steelers want to keep their pass rushers' legs fresh for the important part of the game in the fourth quarter. All of that does play a factor here, and as, as much as, you know, you, you just, I think the, the best coaching for TJ Watt is say go uh, and, and and go forth and conquer. But uh, I think that there is definitely something there that could be very interesting to watch and see how that coaching change uh, plays out. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I don't think we'll see a huge change. You know, really, either of them pretty minor moves. But I think it's I think it's a positive that they're doing a couple things that they they've not done in expanding the realm of their coaching positions and developing a young coach. I mean, they picked Denzel Martin straight out of the University of Missouri. He had one season of coaching experience between his playing career and working for the Steelers. So, like you know, that's a guy they are developing, and it seems like doing a pretty good job of it. I hear, I hear that. We'll see, we'll see how that continues out. The Steelers have more pro day visits coming up, and also more free agency moves that I expect coming down the line. Do they lose some people? Do they, do they restructure some people? Is there something else we're missing here? We'll have all those updates for you here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Thanks for checking us out, Alan. Thank you for joining us. Let people they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. SteelersNow.com, a Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter, wherever else you want to find me on social media is cool too. And uh, got some good stuff coming up. Going to the Ohio State Pro Day Wednesday. Going to, uh, we'll be at the Penn State Pro Day Friday. So uh, lots of content there coming up this week. See where Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan are visiting and who they really want to see. 
I'm Chris Carter, and I ain't going nowhere. I've been everywhere over the last three weeks. I am cool, chilling right here in my house, recording these shows for y'all, and then doing my work for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. By the way, check it out at post-gazette.com. But thank you, Alan, for joining us. Thank you all for, for watching and listening to this show. If you listen to it on your favorite podcasting app, or if you watched it on YouTube, like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily episodes. If you want to help us out even further, go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating with a positive review. If you give us with the, with the positive comment, with the five-star rating, we give you a shout-out at the end of the show thanks again everyone who supports us we'll be back tomorrow with more right here on the locked on Steelers podcast with your host Chris Carter